0: This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast.
1: You know what's more uncomfortable than a big hot guy summer? The travel day from absolute hell that Uh. I had yesterday. (laughs) Courtney Cronin, Michael Rothstein in for Canty and Carlin on this Thursday afternoon, (laughs) ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This show, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. So my day yesterday was delayed. My flight went from 5 o'clock as I was getting onto the plane To a 9.35 departure from LaGuardia. Didn't get back to my place in Chicago until 1 a.m. Mike, I know you had an awful travel day, too. It... It takes the life out of you when you are just like sitting in an airport waiting and waiting. And, you know, what? Car- Carlin was talking about big hot guy summer. I saw plenty of people that would fall into that category yesterday <laughs> who were they just living their absolute best <laughs> lives. But if we sound a little tired, we're not going to continue on that trend much longer. We've got plenty to get to here today on ESPN Radio. Damian Lillard still a Portland trailblazer after putting in a trade request last Saturday. And some interesting news that his agent is going out delivering to teams that might be wanting to trade for Damian Lillard. That plus the NFL. Our top five coaches on the hot seat going into the 2023 season. And a story out of Summer League involving the San Antonio Spurs, Britney Spears, and a slap that you don't want to miss. That and plenty more coming your way right here on Canty and Carlin. This show, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. But we start with a new... Out of the NBA, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, Mike, we've all been on Dame Watch for the last couple of days. We know that he doesn't want to be with the Portland Trail Blazers. The destination of choice is the Miami Heat, but his agent, Aaron Goodwin, has apparently been calling around two teams that could potentially be trade partners for the Portland Trail Blazers, saying, more or less, do not engage, because there is one place Damian Lillard wants to play – And that is not anywhere else other than the Miami Heat.
0: Yeah, and listen, that's what Dame Lillard pays his agent, however much money he's paying his agent or paid when he signed that massive contract extension to do, is do everything he can to influence teams that maybe Damon Lillard doesn't want to go to, to not trade for him or the places he does want to go, saying, hey, welcome that. Like, that's his job. So I understand that he's doing that. But if I was an NBA general manager... I would laugh and I would be like, well, when you signed that extension, probably should have looked at Bradley Beal's contract, gotten that no trade clause put in if you really want us to pay attention because I don't care. If I if I were a GM of any NBA team outside of Miami that wanted to get in the Damian Lillard conversation, I would say, well, that's nice. I appreciate that. So are you telling me... If, if we trade for Damian Lillard, he's not going to play. He's going to sit. He's going to sit out. He's going to put a levy on Bell. No, 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 no. That ain't or Rob Gronkowski when Rob Gronkowski was being talking about being traded to Detroit from New England, and he was like, "I'll retire instead." Unless Damian Lillard's going to do that, this leverage is all posturing by Aaron Goodwin, not buying it,
1: Courtney. Yeah, he's telling organizations, according to Woj, that Lillard would be an unhappy player if he ends up on a team that's not Miami. This doesn't fit the Damian Lillard M.O. Mike, because this is somebody who, after being drafted by the Portland Trail Blazers more than a decade ago, played his entire career there. He was the epitome of loyalty. He's been somebody who has never had any sort of controversy surrounding him on the court or off the court based on his availability, based on him being a good teammate, based on him wanting to play even if the circumstances are less than desirable. So this would be such a departure from who Damian Lillard has given off the perception of who he is publicly, privately, what have you. And it goes against everything that's now within the CBA because these trade requests, the very public trade requests that Adam Silver does not like. We remember at the state of the NBA press conference before the NBA finals, he said he really wasn't fond of players being able to go out and publicly say, I want out, move me, please. Or I don't, you know, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to play. There's a clause now in the CBA that any player who demands to be traded from a team is subject to a fine and or a suspension the max fine that can be imposed by the imposed by the NBA is $150,000 for Damian Lillard who signed that massive contract extension last offseason when he got the max he used the Portland Trail Blazers to get the max just as they used him to get to this point now where they want to turn over a new leaf that's a drop in the bucket but The suspension element, I don't see that coming into play. To me, this is all based on discretion. What this comes down to is an agent posturing and somebody who has more than 20 clients in the NBA. How are you going to tell teams that you're likely doing business with some of his biggest names are Damian Lillard, uh, Gary Payton II, DeMar DeRozan? How are you going to tell potential teams trying to trade for Damian Lillard— don't do this or we're basically going to have beef and we're not going to have a great relationship it to me it's just it's it's a leverage play it's a grab for it's a grab for power here knowing that portland's the one who possesses all the power and it just doesn't fit who Damian Lillard has given off the impression that he is in the NBA by saying, if you trade for him, he's not going to be happy and he's probably not going to play.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's beneficial for the agent. It's beneficial for Damian Lillard to at least try and send that message out there if there are places that he doesn't want to go. Like if I'm Detroit and I hear that, I say, OK, well, I wasn't really going to trade for you anyway. So cool. Definitely don't want to do that. But you're right in the fact that Aaron Goodwin, if he is really telling them that he wants to kind of go to war a little bit, if it's going to happen, I would be very concerned because there'll be some GMs who are like, you know what, I'm just, uh, you know what, I'm not going to deal with you and your players. That's great you have Gary Payton the second. That's great you have some of these other guys. Guess what? There's a lot of talented players in the NBA. But usually, in my experience covering the NFL and covering some other sports, Courtney, you've covered multiple sports as well. GMs, unless it's really, really dirty pool, they will usually be able to separate the conversation from client to client. And I'm guessing that Aaron Goodwin is banking on anything he has to do for Dame Lillard will not necessarily affect other players unless it gets to the point where it's really, really uncomfortable. And I don't think that we don't know the words that have been said exactly, but I don't get the sense that him doing this would be super uncomfortable. It's more of a, hey, I'm giving you a warning here. Don't do this. We'll see how it goes from there, though, because that slope can get pretty slippery, Courtney.
1: In Woj's story that I encourage you all to go read at ESPN.com, it's an ESPN Plus story that takes you inside the last five days since Damian Lillard put out the trade request, but goes before that to set up how we got to this point. Quote, general managers who have talked to ESPN, if you guys can scroll up for me on the screen real quick so I can see this real quick, suggest that pressure won't impact how they're going to proceed. They would have Lillard, they meaning other teams, under contract for four years and believe his default mechanism would remain playing hard and playing well. So that fits the M.O. of Damian Lillard, the person that we have known him to be, the perennial all-star, the person who is the epitome of a gamer. Somebody coming off a career year, too. So any team that is looking to upgrade their backcourt, a team that feels that they are a missing piece away, whether it is the Philadelphia 76ers, if they do indeed move on from James Harden, whether it's the Los Angeles Clippers, the Boston Celtics, other teams not named the Miami Heat that might be trying to get in on the Lillard sweepstakes. You can't blame him. He's a great player. He's somebody that could potentially lift your franchise if you need that extra boost to get past the second round of the playoffs, to get into the NBA Finals. And I frankly think that he would get over it eventually. This guy is a professional, Mike. Like you, Sometimes things don't go according to plan, and when your list only has one team on it, you're kind of doing it to yourself unless in the next day, days, week, he ends up expanding that list to include more teams, which would then give Portland more options about where to send him.
0: Theoretically, but again, Portland can also just be like, "Sorry, like womp womp. That's nice. You want to go there? Where they're not. Their offer is not good enough. I mean, Portland can really do that." And Aaron Goodwin and Damian Lillard will just have to deal with it because what's he going to do? Not play for the next three years? Force a trade again? Then he gets into the Kyrie James Harden territory? I don't think Dame Lillard is made of that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't either. We will see how much longer the saga wants to play itself out. Things are not moving very quickly at this point, five days after Damian Lillard officially requested a trade away from the Portland Trail Blazers, He's Mike and I'm Courtney and You are listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Canty and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your phone, and your furry friends with life, electronic device, and pet health insurance.
0: To camp, team to team, it's on this field where fortunes are made or lost. Continuing coverage, the countdown to kickoff rolls on. Sixty-three days until the NFL season begins. Yeah, like
2: football, like football season, and all the things that go with it.
0: The NFL lives here. ESPN Radio.
1: Two weeks from right now, the Jets and the Browns are in training camp. They are a part of the Hall of Fame game, which happens earlier. Every year, it seems. We're at the beginning of August, where the first preseason game will be played. So we're only a matter of weeks before everybody is in full swing in the NFL, in training camp, getting ready for the 2023 season. What better time to bring in Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst, who's going to be on NFL Live later today. Hawk, we appreciate you joining us. And, and since the Browns are one of those teams that I mentioned, and you played there from 2014 to 16, I wanted to start with them because I feel like they've had such a Quiet offseason we haven't talked really much at all about Deshaun Watson and what we saw from him after the suspension and coming back and looking like there was a lot of rust what is the expectation for this offense after how last season played out and where they can go from here in a really crowded division
2: yeah that's it I mean that's a great question I, I think to your point it's a very talented division uh the expectations are that you Reap the fruits of a two hundred and thirty million dollar guaranteed contract to a quarterback, right like this is not only an unprecedented contract that it wasn't even a market setter teams that followed with quarterbacks that had probably better resumes uh, and Lamar jackson didn't follow suit right and so when you make that kind of investment, you take that kind of risk, you expect for the outcome to also would to be worth that amount of money so you look at Deshaun Watson who had a very rusty year even when he came back last year um, and why some of the conversation are, is around Ste- Kevin Stefanski of him being on the hot seat because now you have the firepower and you had an offense that was set up you know kind of half Jacoby Brissett half Deshaun Watson is it conservative is it we're taking the reins off of Deshaun Watson and letting him go well now going into the season the expectation is that you compete with the likes of the the Ravens, with the likes of the Bengals for a division championship because you have talent on defense, you have the best running back in the NFL, you have the highest paid quarterback and guaranteed money that you put an unprecedented contract against, and you have top-notch wide receivers, and also you traded for an incredible slot receiver. Um, And so I think the expectation is, like, we want to win the division or we want to be one of these teams that people look at as a real contender for a Super Bowl, and if not, there could be changes being made.
0: Consider... Considering that deal that they gave him, Mm -hmm. do you think at this point there's regret from the Browns at all, from what they've seen so far, and all the attention that they received negatively? Because, again, Deshaun Watson, for those who don't remember, was accused by multiple massage therapists of Mm -hmm. inappropriate acts, and that was before they made the deal, and then they ended up trading for
2: him. Yeah, I mean, that that was the reason why a quarterback of his caliber was available in the first place, right? I think if you go back to what that 2020 season is, you know, with with no DeAndre Hopkins or, you know, this is after Deshaun Watson got his first contract. I mean, he was putting up seasons that rivaled Patrick Mahomes, right, from a statistical standpoint and his ability standpoint. To your point about do they regret regret it now, and, yes, I did play in Cleveland, and I can promise you <laughs> – I, I don't want to talk bad about teammates of mine because I have my hand in it as well. I was a number one receiver. I'm five foot seven. I shouldn't be a number one receiver. So, I, I mean, I have my hand in a lot of those losses. Trust me. But from a quarterback perspective, from you know, the ownership, from the franchise, they have not had a quarterback that has looked anywhere near the amount of ability that Deshaun Watson has. He has, even with last year's struggles late in that season, when you watch him on a day-to-day in practice, I mean, this it looks night and day. And so I don't think they regretted it yet. Even with all the backlash, I think that they, you know, took into the, uh, that into account. They may not have understood, you know, that it's going to be tough to have an upside. Even when you win, people aren't going to feel good about it because of some of those conversations. But I do think there's still a lot of hope um, within that organization that once he does turn the leaf on the field, that it'll all be worth it because we will have finally be able to look at Brown's football and say, wow, we have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and that has never been the case.
1: ESPN NFL analyst Andrew Hawkins joins Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein here on Canty and Carlin. Let's stay in the AFC North and go over to Baltimore. New receiving core, Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar. New play caller for Lamar Jackson. Of of those four names, and, and throwing in Todd Munkin, who is the biggest X factor for unlocking the version of Lamar Jackson that we saw in 2019, and getting this team past some of the hurdles that they've faced offensively the last couple of years?
2: I would say Odell Beckham for a couple of reasons. Odell Beckham's a little older; he's not the, the the same spring chicken that we knew early on, where he was, you know, one of the most dynamic players that we've seen in that generation. But I think for it's it's what it represents to Lamar Jackson, right? Like what we've been told all the time is that oh man, well, is, is Lamar going to get there as a passer, and he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. But you know, using my own eyes, they don't have weapons on that team outside of Mark Andrews, and they haven't had weapons on the outside, and that's the number one thing that a quarterback needs is is weapons. And I think the Odell Beckham contract and even how it came about was a commitment to say, okay, Lamar. We're going to surround you with what we need. They go get Zay Flowers, and to your point, and a lot of those names, and Munkin as the OC, now they are building with a commitment in mind. I feel like everything they got from Lamar Jackson early on was icing on the cake, right? He went number 32 overall. If you redo that draft, he does not go with that number. And I think they came into it not knowing what they had in him, but they it paid big dividends with MVP and, you know, A a wins and losses record that rivals only Patrick Mahomes in that span and now this commitment to building the pieces around him and saying, "Okay, now let's see what we really have. Can you really truly ascend to the elite level um, that you've been at times on a consistent basis?
0: Hawk, I want to stay here. I want to stay in the AFC North. I think it's yep. just gonna be
2: an entire Let's AFC it, North man. conversation.
0: Are, are people forgetting a little bit about the Steelers because of the year they had last year, where they kind of just got to five hundred? And, and but there were basically rookies everywhere except yep. for Najee. Like, have, have people kind of forgotten about how good this team might be?
2: They absolutely have forgotten about you know the Steelers, and you know I, I don't I don't think it's for bad reasons. I, I mean, in this division, the Steelers have been king. Like that's since I've been a kid. I grew up in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, which is 60 miles east of Pittsburgh and in, in Steeler country like they have been the tops of the division and they have had a quarterback who has been the best quarterback in the division. Well, now they're we're in an era where not only do they not have the best quarterback, they have the worst quarterback in the division. And even though they have a lot of young talent, they have. The, one of the best coaches that we've seen over the last 20 years in Mike Tomlin, they are a model for what a franchise you know should be run like. Even with that, this is a quarterback-driven league. And in that department, from a talent standpoint, Pickett just falls behind Deshaun, Lamar, and obviously Burrow. And for that reason, yeah, they will sit behind them. If you ask me to rank the NFC or the AFC North teams, I would have Pittsburgh fourth, Cleveland third. Uh, the the Ravens, too, and Burrow, number one, until somebody knocks them off.
1: All right, before we get you out of here, Hawk, I want to ask you about the virtual reality. I know you were doing, you had a game, I believe, with, with Meta. <laughs> Can you explain kind of what that whole thing was? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So I have a company, a, a, a technologies company that majors in training and gaming, and, and we, we build gaming products. And so we built a game, NFL Pro Era, where we got the NFL license and it's the first simulation football game outside of Madden in the last 20 years, and it's VR. You get to play quarterback in an NFL game, and it's on the MetaQuest. It's on Sony VR, and anywhere VR is available, but it's, it's a really cool experience. You finally get to feel what it's like to be an NFL player.
1: QB I View, uh, that is pretty neat, because I assume that's with the headset that you have on.
2: Yeah. Yep. So you put the headset on and it is fully immersive. And I'm I'm not joking. Depending on what your favorite team is, it feels like you are the quarterback of that team. That you is feel the awesome. rush. You feel the size of the players. You feel the speed. <laughs> Uh, everything. So if that you were if you were Falcons quarterback the last couple of years, you would yeah. just get
0: sacked over and over. Just is sacked,
2: interceptions, just <laughs> the offensive ineptitude. Everything, man. It's 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 real life. No,
0: <laughs> well, now you know. I, I we you and I talked about it about a couple of years ago. And I, I don't know if I would want to play it now. Do that? That sounds like I was just painful. Is this going to be a yearly thing where you guys are going to do this year over year? Like, yep. is there a game coming out this year?
2: Yep, we are we are deep in development now, and we'll have the new version that we'll announce here soon, coming out this season.
1: Well, that's awesome. That's about as close as Mike and I are going to ever get to playing in the (laughs) NFL, so we're definitely going to have to check it out. Hawk, we appreciate it. Go crush it on NFL Live this afternoon.
2: Appreciate you having me, guys.
1: That's ESPN NFL analyst Andrew Hawkins joining us here on Canty and Carlin. What a rough week it's been for the Los Angeles Angels. MLB's trade deadline, under a month away. Angels might have some hard decisions on the horizon regarding superstar Shohei Ohtani. We're going to get into all that next right here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. There is a very good case to be made that Shohei otani is coming off the greatest month in Major League Baseball history. otani with his Major League leading 30th home run of the season.
2: The floor for Shohei Ohtani's free agency is going to start at $500 million. He's also going to want to win, and that's why these next few months for the Angels are critical, if they're going to have any chance to keep
0: him. Either you trade him and get something, or you let him go and get a mediocre draft pick.
1: We have been here before with Shohei Ohtani last year. Right around the time of the MLB trade deadline, the Angels, who were teetering on the edge of another unsuccessful season, were debating whether they should trade him then. And now, due to the rash of injuries that we've seen over the last 48 hours, the question comes up again for Artie Moreno and the Los Angeles Angels. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon. Mike Trout, after injuring his wrist, an injury, he said he had never felt pain like that before, Mike, which that's never great. Um, He's progressing well after he had surgery on his left wrist, but he is going to be out, the expected timeline here, four to eight weeks. So that's about a two-month stretch here. Of course, we know Anthony Rendon left the game the other night on crutches, and Shohei Otani likely not pitching in the all-star game next week due to blister and uh, finger injury that he's been dealing with. So it stinks because this is a team that's hovering around 500 right now. It shouldn't be time to hit the panic button, but when you're four games out of a third wild card spot, when you have injuries to the top 44% of your 40-man payroll... And when Shohei has this big decision about next year, whether he's going to stay in Los Angeles with the Angels, not the Dodgers necessarily, and whether you're going to be giving him that big contract, do they let him walk for free if he says he doesn't want to be there because this is a team that very much is going to fall out of contention if they don't continue, if they don't start winning some games here? Or might they entertain this idea in the next couple of weeks before that August 1 deadline? Yeah,
0: it's a tough question, right? Because... Like you just listed, Rendon's hurt, Trout had surgery. So it almost feels like it might be a lost season, even though they're right still in the thick of it. But when you're talking about Rendon in this entire conversation, because I don't think one is necessarily exclusive with another, because if they're all healthy, you're probably rolling with it if you're the Angels and, and trying to get something out of that. I mean, Rendon It's unfortunate for the Angels because... He played over 130 games his last four years in Washington. And he hasn't played more than 58 in any of the four years he's been with the Angels. So that I think plays into it as well. But when you're talking about Otani specifically, I, I don't know what I would do if I'm the Angels because you're you're giving away a generational talent. You have to get so much back. Like I, you probably need to try and get a bunch of established young players back. Like. You know this, Courtney. Often when we see these deals, they're done for prospects, for guys who are in double-A. Maybe a a, a triple-A guy here or there, some single-A guys. If I am the Angels, I'm only moving Otani if I'm getting two or three proven major leaguers back and some prospects.
1: And that's the big question. If they don't know if they can get that... Then, I mean, you certainly would be getting a massive trade package for Shohei Otani if you move him at the deadline. But what is the price? I mean, if this is somebody who's going to reset the market that Aaron Judge just reset last year, he is, you know, his pitching prowess is incredible. We haven't seen anything like this with a two-way player since, you know, generations ago. It's I put I brought this up the other day when we were thinking about does his contract start with a B? Are you going to pay him a billion dollars? No one would fault you for doing that or even having that conversation. But if Max Scherzer is making $43.3 million a year as the quote-unquote best pitcher in baseball and Aaron Judge, even though he's hurt, best batter in baseball, making $40 million a year, show his contract starts around $84 million a year on an average annual basis. He's going to get that, whether it's with the Angels or whether he ends up walking because this team has shown that it cannot win with him and Mike Trout together. Since those two have been paired up in 2018, they haven't had a winning season. So if you're already Moreno, and remember, he backed off his plans to sell the Los Angeles Angels for uh, an undisclosed amount of time. We don't know when he's going to re-entertain that thought again. But he's stuck in a really tough place right now. Because you're either the owner who signed off on moving a superstar, who is going to remain a superstar once he gets past this little injury he's dealing with, with his with his finger and with uh, you know his fingernail and, and the blister, but. Do you let him? Do, do you hold on to him, knowing that this is over in a couple of months, or do you end up trying to get something for him now so you don't let him walk away with anything? It's the question we're asking ourselves. It's the toughest question right now in baseball. Jeff Passan, ESPN Major League Baseball Insider, in his inkling here is that the Angels end up hanging onto Shohei Otani instead of moving it before the deadline.
2: Everything logically, Mike
0: says, trade him. But this is not a decision that's going to be logically motivated. It's an extremely emotional one for the Angels organization, for Artie Moreno, for Perry Manassian, their general manager. And uh,
2: I think in the end, he probably does not get moved.
1: And that's hard because if they end up, again, they're 45 and 44 right now, they are teetering on the edge of a collapse. Mike Trout's going to be out for two months. And yeah, there are the people who will point to the stat of, look, the Angels are 6-1 and one when Trout's not in the starting lineup this year. I don't buy that excuse that, oh, look, they're a better team without their second best player. That's never been something that you can truly hang your hat on as a concrete argument, despite how great Shohei has been. This is a decision that you need to make thinking about the long-term future of your franchise, not just the long-term future of Shohei Otani. You can be selfish about it if you're the Los Angeles Angels and know that if you're in a team that is not built with this group, you're going to have to end up you know, hitting the restart button at some point You might as well cash in on as many assets as you can get for this player at his prime because there's a lot of Major League Baseball teams, whether it's the Dodgers, whether it's the Texas Rangers right now, the makeup of the New York Yankees with Aaron Judge in his toe and the uncertainty there. There's plenty of teams that would be willing to back up the Brinks Brinks truck for a Shohei Ohtani to go all in. My question would be, if Ohtani is healthy and he just gets through the All-Star break, he doesn't play, whatever— Could the Angels end up doing the same? Could the Angels say, hey, this is our last shot. We need to make the big move to bring somebody in to pair with Otani to make this worth it so he'll end up wanting to stay next year. They could end up going the other direction because all we've been talking about is whether he stays this season or whether he goes. We haven't talked about the long-term play that maybe they end up going pretty aggressive to try to pair him with somebody to bring somebody else in to actually make this team a winner in 2023.
0: Without question. And that's something that, like you said, they're going to have to discuss except for this. So if they do end up signing Otani, right? Let's say they sign Otani to a Patrick Mahomes-like contract, because that's the contract that came to my head. 10 years, 450 with incentives, which you can turn into signing bonus or whatever, up to 475. If that ends up being what Shohei Otani would be getting then you are looking at a situation where the angels of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim would be paying for almost 900 million dollars to two players 900 million dollars to two players you cannot I, no matter how much money you have you cannot field a competitive team doing that considering you've got one guy you can pitch every 5 days and you know play every day and then you have got trout like I, I think it's a dangerous game that the Angels would play if they even tried to do that, which probably tells you that maybe they really should look to move him.
1: It's a tough proposition, one that they didn't want to find themselves in, but they've had a lot of trouble staying healthy, whether it's been Mike Trout now, his sixth straight season, where he is going to be missing a considerable amount of time due to injury, and Anthony Rendon, no stranger, no stranger to the injury bug as well. Straight ahead here on Candy and Carlin, a strange story you've got to hear coming out of Summer League in Las Vegas. That's coming up next, ESPN Radio in the ESPN app.
0: And Carlin, the podcast.
1: Everyone wants to get up close with new San Antonio Spur, Victor Wembanyama, even the Princess of Pop. Strangest story that you're going to hear today <laughs> came out of Summer League in Las Vegas. And this incident took place on Wednesday night at the Aria Hotel. Britney Spears, Victor Wembanyama, and the Slap heard around Summer League. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein, sitting in for the guys. This show, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. So according, according to TMZ Sports, Britney Spears and Victor Wempanyama were in the same vicinity at the Aria Hotel around 8.30 p.m. at a restaurant called Catch. going to assume that's seafood. So... Britney Spears reportedly approached Wembanyama and, like, tapped him on the shoulder, Mike, to ask for a photo. Normal behavior? She's a superstar. People have been doing this to her since she was 15 years old. The director of security for the San Antonio Spurs, his name's Damian Damian Smith, allegedly— quote, backhanded her and knocked her to the ground. This is according to the TMZ Sports Report. And Britney Spears now is filing a an incident, a police report alleging assault, which, assuming this incident pans out the way that it's described is a pretty significant one. And it's according to TMZ, again, going to couch this here because they're the ones reporting this. It was Smith, the director of security for the San Antonio Spurs, who initially didn't recognize Britney Spears. And then, of course, after this incident happens, ends up trying to backtrack and trying to smooth this over, which I would say. If you don't have security around your seven foot three superstar and you know that you're in a place like Las Vegas that has people everywhere coming up to try to get a glimpse of this guy, he hasn't even played in a game. Their first game is Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN against the Charlotte Hornets. That's the first time we're going to get to see Victor Wembanyama in action. But up until this point, he has been the main attraction at Summer League. And, of course, people are going to come up trying to take photos with him. But to backhand somebody, like, something about this story it's, isn't lining yeah. up correctly because the, the action doesn't fit the crime, the alleged crime, so to speak, which apparently is tapping Victor Wembanyama asking for a photo.
0: No, I, w- without question. Like, without question, this... You don't put... For, okay, there's a few things here that bother the heck out of me. The first... You are the head of security for an NBA franchise. You should know better. Do not put your hands on people. It's not like she went to Victor Webanyama and was like, boom, and slapped him on the back or showed any sort of threatening. again, this is all based off of police reports, et cetera, et cetera, based off of that. But also, Britney Spears is a 41-year-old woman. I've seen her in person. It's She's not like six feet tall and like... Not exactly the most intimidating human out there in terms of like stature, right? Like, no reason for the security director to do this. Absolutely none. Secondly, how do you not recognize Britney Spears?
1: I know. Like, because Victor Webanyaga probably
0: recognizes Britney Spears. She has a residency at the ARIA. Her face is like on the freaking billboards. Pay attention, Director of Security. Third, If you're the manager of the aria, like the general manager or the general manager of Catch, and you know Britney Spears is in your restaurant, how about you facilitate that? Like, seriously, there were so many things that went wrong here to get to this point, but it starts with number one. Unless someone, like, physically puts your hands on you, you do not do that. Just don't, what are you doing, man? Like, seriously, that guy, and I don't ever advocate for someone losing their job, but what are you doing, man?
1: It's a it's a terrible look for the Spurs and you know for Victor Wembanyama I'm sure he was probably embarrassed by this this alleged incident taking place in the Aria Hotel last night around 8:30 p.m. and I'm kind of surprised upon hearing this, like that we aren't hearing more about Britney Spears' side. Like, It's hard to believe that somebody, again, like who has a residency in Las Vegas, who is still, even though she hasn't released new music in a while, she's still an international icon, a superstar. How does she not have security around her as much as apparently Victor Wempanyama does? But... You know, there's 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 just so much attention on this 19-year-old basketball phenom right now, whether it's this story, whether it's what's been going on at Summer League all week. We saw games take place starting on, on Tuesday, and now we're in a place where we have all this attention on a Friday night game between the Spurs and the Charlotte Hornets. You're going to see Brandon Miller, the number two overall pick, and Victor Wempanyama, the number one overall pick being claimed as a generational talent, Mark Jones, Doris Burke, Cassidy Hubberth on the call. Again, when you have a player of this magnitude, Mike, you're going to need to step it up in ways that you probably haven't done in a very long time because people like that draw attention and you can't react in a way that it's going to bring negative attention on the franchise and on the player himself, even though he didn't do anything. Straight ahead, according to Woj, Damian Lillard's agent has been warning teams against trading for this star. What teams are in the mix and who?
0: Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast.
2: You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.